Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome, everybody, to this Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. Podcast number 191. Hard to believe. It's the countdown to 200. For you mathematicians out there, I'll just give you a little hand. That'd be nine. So we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around. Boom! Not really sure where you ended up. Pick up your finger, move the globe. Find Texas, southeast corner of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. We're still in the uh, COVID quarantine, so we're in undisclosed locations around Sugarland, but uh, it's starting to loosen up a little bit. You know, we're not pastors, we're just regular guys, and each of us are on our own spiritual journey. We feel that all men are leaders. You're leader of your family, leader at work, leaders in your church and community, but sometimes that lead dog needs to be fed and spiritually recharged, and that's why we're here. So whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or our website, man-upspiritualoasis.com, or pray.com, we're glad that you're joining us. And also, uh, we have a YouTube uh page as well so getting additional content on our youtube page so um just you know god's word comes to us in many ways some people through sunset some nature some music or sermons or friends and yes even podcasts and particularly in this climate that's what we hope that you get from us and we take an abf or uh, adult Bible fellowship or Sunday school lesson. We basically uh, do a brief overview with the panel, read the scripture, then dive into it deeper and unpeel it like an onion and kind of update it and talk about how it would apply to us as men. So at this point in time, I'm going to go ahead and introduce to you the panel. Um, <clears throat> oh, but before I do, breaking news, dun, 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 dun. the Man Up class is going to be in person at Sugarland Baptist Church for the first time, I think, in almost a year coming up here. this next week. So are, yeah, are, you, are kind of, you in the director's chair? I. As far as I know, it's the direct. Uh, I'll be in the director's chair unless it's uh, an ejection seat that puts me out of it. But uh, it's you know it's kind of like the maiden voyage again. And, you know, I think maybe we'll we, we can touch on this. Uh, I mean, maybe later on or as things open up. I, I don't think any of us. I, I certainly didn't think that I would be out of the church for a year. Uh, when this thing came on, I thought it might be a couple of weeks or whatever, but it's been almost a year. So uh, pretty excited about that. And as uh, we'll, we'll have new developments uh, uh, as it happens. So, and with that, 
I'm going to go ahead and introduce the panel now. And uh, he's a world-class policy writer, a uh, bit of a professional gambler, but he's also the producer of the show. Mr. Steve Titch is here. Hey, Steve. Hey, Bill. Mr. Steve. And a uh, corporate trainer for our Fortune 100 company and kind of the uh, group theologian. We call him the professor. Robert Koshu is here. Hey, Robert. Robert. And my name is Bill Cox. I'm basically a salesman uh, and I'm the director of this group. And uh, the judge has an excused absence. And Kyle Trahan, he's just too busy. So uh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to put that, that excuse up to a vote. But anyway, neither of them are able to join us. So, but we're glad that you are. Um, what I want to do is uh, go around the room and get a basic overview uh, from the fellows on uh, this week's lesson. Start with uh, our producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Well, since Mike isn't here, I'm going to quickly fill in what he usually does, and he provides. Oh, some historian! Background. Yes, yes, yeah. the historian. Um, we uh, last week we looked at uh, Philippians two, chapter two, one through four. We're going to continue that this week with five through eleven, and and that follows directly on Paul's uh, discussion of humility and the importance of approaching your fellow members at church with love, uh, affection, uh, sympathy, and of course, the, the, one of the well-known verses uh, is Philippians 2, 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. And he talks about being in full accord and of one mind. And that literally picks up right away with verse five, when he mentions, have, have this mind among yourselves. He's talking about uh, that mind of being in full accord. So we're going to look more at kind of rebooting your brain, rebooting your attitude towards one of humility and away from, you might say, the, again, self-absorption. Um, I, I think this is going to be a discussion because we as men really we're kind of afraid of that virtue of humility and sometimes with good reason um humility is not valued at the office humility is not valued at your university class at the you know at the competition for the bar exam so what are we as christians what is really true humility and and paul says and, and we'll dive into this, is that real, true humility can be strength. I have a lot of questions about that, so uh, I'll turn it over to, to Robert. <laughs> All right, so, Professor. So the, the interesting part of this is the 6 through 11, so exclude verse 5. 6 through 11 is actually one of the first Christian hymns. It's called the hymn of emptying, actually. So we'll kind of talk about that, but but when you look at humility and the way it goes, it is essential to be humble, but being humble doesn't mean you're weak. And I think the problem is most people try to try to 
assimilate weakness and humility into the same thing. And they're totally different concepts and totally different um, things. I, I, I will make an argument that a man who is overtly aggressive is not really being a leader because he's using his aggression to get done what he needs to get done versus being a leader that leads out. And Christ gives us an example of this, and that's kind of where we're going to head with this conversation and really hit, really hit upon some stuff with leadership in particular as we look at it. Uh, excellent. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture. This is uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, you know, I think we've, we've talked about this before, about uh, humility. And I think what's changed recently for me about it is <clears throat> that if you, if you don't know shame, you won't know humility either. And it seems like in the, the way society has evolved is that people don't feel shame. People don't, uh, if they give wrong information or make wrong predictions or um, are boastful about themselves and can't pull through, they don't feel any shame from not living up to their word. And it's cheapened humility. And I just want to go ahead and uh, and, and open with, with that um, to the fellas. So I'm going to steal something from the headlines for, for the, with that, Bill. Okay. So it, it, it's not only not shameless, but part of being humble is accepting your mistakes and accepting responsibility when you make a mistake. So if anybody hadn't seen the headlines, it's been making the rounds on Facebook and other stories as well. There was a young lady who was running out of hairspray. And oh, she I thought <sighs> aerosoled Gorilla Glue would be a good thing to spray in her hair. Now, I'm not I'm, – not as smart as the average bear occasionally when it comes to stuff like this, but even I know that Gorilla Glue is not something I want on my skin even, much less sit there and hose down my hair with it. And 
instead of saying, okay, I was kind of stupid, she has posted on Facebook. She had to go see a surgeon because she, she did some serious damage to herself is kind of the bottom line here. Now she wants to go fund me, which according to what I saw last, she's earned like 30 something thousand dollars in her GoFundMe account. And it, it, it but it's, it's one of those deals where, you know, that is pr a pretty extreme example I'll give you. But where we miss it is we're not willing. Part of this humility is being able to say, hey, I made a boo-boo. Let me move forward with but, it. But, but yeah. just to, as a case in point, it, it paid off for her. Well, I, my, my, yeah. my question is, well, why, Robert? I'll just, you know, get 30 grand from GoFundMe and, you know, not, not say, you know, blame yeah. something else. That's what I guess my earlier point is. That, the, the point is, is that, yeah, uh, Paul that, says well, to be humble, but well, I and, say, why? And, and it goes to what we've been talking about forever now, which is that the culture's just backwards. The, the culture has totally messed up and laid everything to the point that it's totally backwards and nothing makes sense anymore. And it really doesn't. And it, it and you're right, Steve, it, it's kind of scary that, that I can be dumb enough to go spray Gorilla Glue on myself, scream about it. And now all of a sudden I made a bunch of money off GoFundMe. And there's a potential I'm going to get a court case out of it before this is all over with. And, you know, I wish Mike was here because I'm just like, I, I need somebody to explain to me how you, when you file the lawsuit, the judge doesn't look at it, die laughing and say case dismissed. Because I understand that, that some people think she actually has a case. And I'm just like, how? How? I don't understand. Um, next year on Gorilla Glue, there will be a warning thing. No, there will do be. Do not and, use and, and as the, hairspray. Yeah. And, and the thing is, there you're right, there will be. And, and now here's the fun part about this. What that means is they're going to have to reprint all their labels. They're going to have to reset their labels, dispose of any that they haven't used, print new ones, spend the cost, potentially increase the size of the label and or shrink the font on i mean this isn't like oh go add something and be done this is like a million dollar project for gorilla glue to add something like that i was in shipping and packaging for a while so i know the cost of these things and it's just insane and and i think this is where it gets interesting because when you look at christ so my, my Greek word of the, of the day, I'm not going to actually use it, but the word there that's used for likeness, taking on appearance in some translations, depending on what the translation is, is a Greek word that literally means to take on the shape of or form of literally becoming that thing. And so this is where the man who or the individual who had it all, literally had it all, God himself gave all of that up to become a stinky little baby that, you know, all three of us have had children. And for those of you who have not yet had children, I'm going to explain the first three months of life with an infant to you. The infant eats, yes. the infant sleeps, and the infant poops. And there's a lot of crying in between that. 
And that's about the first three months of life. And a good friend of mine said, the first three months of life with babies is all about survival. And that's about all it's worth. And so the God of the universe who literally looked and said light, and all of a sudden there was light, land, and land popped up on the planet. And, and that's literally all. He just spoke the word and it happened. He gave that up and became a baby. I mean, that's, well, that's the that's the beginning. I mean, that's we should talk oh, about yeah. this because this is this is the example that, mm-hmm. that Paul pulls out the example of servanthood in a few sentences. He basically says, this is God. He lays mm-hmm. all that aside, not just to be a baby, but to take the role of a servant and then nail it, obey to the point of death. And, and he even put that 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 clause, even death on a cross. We know it that today, but but that had extra extra emphasis to anyone reading that because crucifixion was the most humiliating death you could undergo. I mean, not just in terms of pain. You were you were hung naked on a cross. I was going to say there was no loincloth. It was um, naked. Yeah, and <laughs> and and you know, out there. Um, and and of course, for you know, public death is humiliating enough. For certainly for anyone, but particularly a Jew, this, I mean, and, 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 and biblically to, to be hung on a tree, which the cross stands in for, to be hung on anything like that is, is to be cursed anyway. And, and yet, Paul says th- there was, ultimately, this was an act of enormous strength. Well, which is right. which is a, which is one of the paradoxes of our our faith. Well, and and right. and and he talks about as, as he goes through this, he talks about, and and the author brought out four passages, and he you know four other passages from the New Testament with Paul that talked about being humble but being filled with strength. You know, Philippians three eight. You know, you lost everything, but you knowing Jesus is your savior. 1 Corinthians one twenty seven, foolish to shame the wise, weak to sh- the weak will shame the strong at God's choosing. Galatians two twenty, dead to Christ who lives in me, and then Second Corinthians twelve ten, that when I am weak I am strong. And like you said, Steve, those are the paradoxes of the faith that we give up those things that we normally think of as things that give us strength, things that give us honor but then turn around and accept that because, because of the example Christ gave. And I think that's where it gets interesting. And it is interesting. And we're getting ready to take our first break. This is Man Up Podcast number 191. We will be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. 
And welcome back to Span Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. We're on that No Church Answers tour, and uh, we're picking it up here. We've got a couple of members that are out, but uh, producer Steve Titch, the professor Robert Koshu, I'm Bill Cox, and uh, and we're taking uh, this particular lesson on humility, uh, hard to be humble, and dissecting it uh, for men and. What I was going to bring up, and I'm glad that we got through the break first, is, uh, of, of course, we're looking at the, these verses that were written almost uh, 2,000 years ago. But I want to just talk about the changes in society that we have witnessed ourselves. And <clears throat> when you look at the, uh, uh, I, I just look back at my grandfather who lived across the street. He wanted to lead a life of value, a solid value. I think of the gold watch uh, that he had, uh, long-term things that he had that, that were valuable to him. Uh, his name was valuable. Uh, that's the way he lived. And now, and I, now I think to the 60s, uh, wasn't it uh, what Andy Warhol said? Everybody wants 15 minutes of fame. Everybody will be famous for 15 minutes. <laughs> for 15 minutes. Yes, which I think has come but, true. <laughs> but well, but now it seems like people are willing to sacrifice their name, their whole reputation for a one moment of notoriety. It, it, it doesn't even have to be. It's not even 15 minutes of fame. It's just... It's a, a, a moment in time where they're, where they're on streaking on the Super Bowl field. So they're viral for one moment. They're relevant for what? One moment uh, in life. And, and that's the value of a person's life and the essence of it. It seems like it's getting the, the time span is just compressing shorter and shorter uh and that we as men uh we need to be preaching to each other life is a marathon it's not a sprint you, you know you you might sprint get ahead get that moment of notoriety your life is gonna go on <laughs> well what, what's kind of sad about that is that is is life so meaningless to these people that they have to do something like that yes, to, 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 to experience something and or right. to experience validation there there are so many ways to make a mark in life that's that seems pretty pathetic a pathetic way to do it but going back to your thing that the idea of no shame and are you even thinking about what the consequences might be Right. But but taking it out to, out back to your whole idea of shame versus humility, that's I think we get this right from the top. Um, we've got leaders today who are shameless. Well, let, 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 let me let me jump in. So real quick. So John Maxwell talks about the law of sacrifice. And the idea is that the leader has to give up to, to go up. And his idea is the higher you go up as a leader, 
the fewer rights you're supposed to have, but the more responsibilities you have as you move up. So you lose your right, you know, to free. I mean, if you think about, and, and I'm going to use kind of a weird example, but the president of the United States, arguably one of the most powerful men in the world. He has no privacy. I mean, anybody that thinks, I mean, if his wife gets to have him privately, that's really unusual <laughs> these days. But he has secret service for the rest of his life. Little known fact, the United States presidents are never allowed to drive on public roads ever once they have left office. There is like a deal. They are not allowed to ever drive on, the, on a public road. George W. Bush can drive on his ranch. Lyndon Johnson drove on his ranch, but the minute they leave the ranch gate, they got to get over in the Secret Service guy takes over driving the car. You know, so they give up all those rights that we think about. And as a leader moves up, he he should give up the rights of things, but as you think about it, he has more responsibility. So what we end up with instead is leaders that end up with hubris which is unmitigated gall and arrogance. You, you know, it, 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 it's the CEO sitting there going, well, of course I'm, I got my $20 million bonus this year and the company lost $5 million. Why shouldn't I get my bonus? Because your freaking company lost money, you moron. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it, but, it, but, but, and it's not just that they're getting paid it, it's that they sit and demand it to be paid to them. Well, that's the other side of the the, the shameless coin. The, oh yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah the, enti- the entitlement, and I think that's what we're we're getting at. I mean, that is kind of what I find one of the more wonderful things about our God. He laid it aside. He he. There is kind of an example of forbearance. I mean, of course, mercy, forgiveness, uh, of course, is is repeated throughout the Bible. But this forbearance, this this. I can, I am God, but I'm going to put that aside to create, mm-hmm. you know, this relationship. That's, that is, that is, that is, that is part of the good news right there. Oh, um, that, that is the good news, but it's not just in there. It's, it's, I know people, I'm in the, I'm in the oil and gas industry mm-hmm. right now. And if you didn't know the oil and gas industry had a horrible year in 2020, you know, I, I quite frankly, I'm thanking my God that I'm still employed because there are tons and tons and tons and tons of people in the Houston area who have been laid off. Exxon laid off upwards of 10,000 people this year. I know people who are still employed at different oil companies who have come up to me and said, I'm going to be looking for a job this year. Yeah, you know, I've kind of wondered too, you know, oil and gas, a little bit nervous about how things are going, what may happen. Well, no, I'm looking for a job because I didn't get a raise this year. <laughs> Your company just laid off a ton of people and you're worried because you didn't get a raise? If you kept your job, <laughs> you did good. <laughs> you know, this is one of those things where where the entitlement comes from a lack of humility in life. And humility is more, it's not being weak. It's acknowledging what your faults are. It's acknowledging that, hey, there are times I need help with things. And, and this is coming from a guy who 
basically had to be slapped down and told he needed to ask for help last couple of years ago with this house. It, it's being it's it's a it's being able to accept the fact that you're human and you have human limitations. And when we don't accept that, that's when we get into the arrogance and the hubris, <coughs> and that's when we lose perspective. And for leaders who don't do that, that's when leaders get in trouble. That's when leaders get in huge trouble because they get out of step with what's going on with their with their company and with their lives, and they think they can do no wrong. And at that point, that's when you get into huge trouble as a company because you can have that humbleness that you need to have moving forward. And that's where it's scary because, you know, the God of the universe can give everything up and come down here and just be a man. And as Steve said, and, and before he did that, by the way, he took on the worst job in the world. The night that Christ died, he washed his disciples' feet. That's where the lowest slave in the world, that the lowest slave in the household had that job. Right. I, I, I would also want to mention in line with that, especially what you're saying that humility isn't it isn't victimhood, it isn't it isn't really self-abasement. A few weeks ago, Bill, you were talking about false humility. And <laughs> while Jesus was no doubt humble, and 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 you see that in many times. Somebody walked up to him and said, Master, he would answer to that. Rabbi, he would answer that. He didn't turn around and say, Oh, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just an ordinary guy walking around, you know, sharing a few opinions. Um, there still is that confidence. Um, it's a quiet confidence. He, he, you know, he gets right up in the Pharisees' faces, but he never really let's say, got angry at the Pharisees when they tried to question him, they tried to trip him up. He just calmly gave them a better answer than they were expecting. Um, but nonetheless, he never, he never negated himself. Right. Um, he, he uh, and, you know, when, he, when they asked him, did you say, you know, are you the son of God? Are you walking around telling people you are the son of God? He said, yes, and that's, <laughs> I did say that, and that's who I am. So that's, I think, part of this, this, the confidence, um, the, the, the self-knowledge. Right. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our second break. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. We will be right back. You are listening to the Man Up Podcast, Spiritual Oasis for Men. Just like any muscle, we feel the faith muscle must be exercised. And here we do it real authentic, the Man Up way. Not pastors, just regular guys, each on a unique spiritual journey. Thanks for joining us. Deep questions and discussions you won't hear anywhere else, especially in today's climate. Missed an episode? They are archived. Free for you to select on SoundCloud. We come to you from the Man Up Studios at Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Houston, Texas, in the United States. Have a question or comment, or want to book a speaker or group and have Man Up come to you? Contact us on our Facebook page, Gigmasters, or WMA Cox at Comcast.net. And now, back to fellows of Man Up. 
And welcome back to this podcast number 191. We're counting down to podcast number 200. And uh, we're finishing up uh, the podcast on humility. And this is the lesson from Philippians. And I think one thing about it for men, uh, as we go through life as leaders, you want to project an air of confidence. I think I've, I'll borrow this. I'm going to give credit to uh, Professor Koshu for this. Fake it till you make it that uh, people have to do. Um, and it, it gives men uh, a little extra ump that may self-encouragement, I think, would probably be the, the best way to put that. Uh, but when there's moments of humility, a person has to define that moment because if it just becomes a habit, it number one, it doesn't mean anything. If uh, your false humility, uh, if, if you're just doing it just because, oh, Oh, this, these old clothes. Oh, I mean, that, that's, that's fake. And the more you do it, it doesn't mean anything anyway. You're, you're just faking yourself out. But also, false humility and too much humility, you will come across as meek. And I think basically men need to be conscious of that fact. I'm not, I don't want to say avoid it because there's certainly times when uh, I don't have the talent to do something. I, and somebody asked me to do something. Uh, you may think that I can, but actually I can't. I'm just being honest and it's sincere. Uh, that humility, that, that is certainly sincere, but also as men, there comes times when we just don't want to do something. And it's easy, it's easy to whip out the humility card. Oh, I I couldn't do that. Not as good as old Joe over there. They use it as a crutch. And it's I don't I I, I think we have to avoid, particularly as Christians, using this kind of stuff as getting our own way. Well, that's that's kind of being manipulative. Now you're setting me up because I want to do something here, really, okay. really well. You're setting me up because this this walking this line. Because we we one of the we love to talk about leadership. We love to talk about um, our you know our journeys working working out being a Christian in the real world. And at the top of the podcast, I said uh, we we live in a in a world in a culture that really doesn't value humility and sometimes works against it. And so I, I've got a few scenarios here. We're going to have some fun calling right. this. It's hard to be humble. And, and I want to, <laughs> by the way, that's a Matt Davis song from, and he grew up in Lubbock, Texas. Ah. <laughs> All right. Oh boy. Um, so, so I'm going to, I, I'm going to throw out the scenario and, and you guys can give me your opinions as to how you would handle it. These are, these are attempts at, at real world, uh, situations where we kind of want to be humble or we want to have some humility, but
but it might be really difficult to do so. Uh, so here's one scenario. You're going to love this, Robert. You're chairman of the church finance committee. <laughs> there is one member who frequently misses meetings, is late following through on requests, and has submitted important budget figures that have been sloppy and filled with errors requiring several additional hours of your time to check and correct. You have already raised the issue with him. And he complains, he's, he's very busy, but he promises he's gonna sharpen his commitment, but never seems to do it. And so you try your pastor, but he's, he's dare I say it, conflict averse and doesn't wanna take sides, says you gotta work it out. He advises you to be humble. After all, he said, we're all volunteers. You can't expect perfection. So rather than spending your whole weekend correcting his errors now, <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, and <laughs> this is one, if, if he's saying he's that busy and you've talked to him once before and he hadn't fixed it, in my mind, you pull him aside again and say, look, if you're really that busy, maybe you need to think about getting off the, maybe you need to think about getting off the committee, you know, because it, it because it's not only affecting you, it's affecting everyone else on the committee, and ultimately you're affecting the church as you go through this. You know, I, I mean, this is one of those, you know, I might be willing to give you one more shot at it, but it's it's a tight leash now. You know, it, I need something from you next week. You know, I, I, before I had the conversation, I would have something very, very specific in mind. You know, one, one of the things you do anytime you're correcting somebody is have very, very specific goals and deadlines put together for them to go to and look at it and see, you know, and, and, you know, and first of all, yeah, let's make sure it's all in his control that he's not missing something because the numbers aren't being given to him correctly. But if they are, then, you know, Hey, we're going to have to have a chat about this. So that's nice. You would first make sure everything's under, you know, he's, you're, there's not a there's not something that's missing in the equation here that's causing this right that, that neither of you can control so there's bill preparation <laughs> bill any thoughts uh, you know what i'm i'm pretty easy at playing stupid and i would just come and just ask them do you have time is this the standard uh, that you have for the quality of work? Because the vast majority of people know if they're putting in the effort that they should be putting in. The vast majority of them can tell you if the quality of their work is A, B, or C. And, and just ask them, I mean, is it going to change? Wh what what do you think we should do to change it? Should should this quality of work be acceptable? I'm, I, I find out what their level of uh, what they're grading their effort at and their result. And because maybe the standard that they're at, maybe they think they're doing great, and you need to either re-educate them or maybe the standard that you have is 
unrealistic. Uh, you know, maybe you're a, a wealth management specialist and you're at a one room church where they, where <laughs> so, they put yeah. stuff on the back of cocktail napkins. And, <laughs> and, and maybe that's acceptable at that. So you're so at you're that saying place. communication is communication important well, and also checking your, you know, to make sure you're not a few, few, you know, steps ahead in terms absolutely. of absolutely yeah and, and and find out i mean our our where are we on this ground am i way above you am i way below you i mean or how how do, how do you feel about this uh i'm not i'm not going to uh to to make any kind of judgment until i i have uh more uh of the picture filled in and i i think that's I think that's how I would do it. I've got an, I got a one for us for, for dads. This is a great one because you know we want to always set example as a good father. Uh, your neighbor, your neighbors have hired your 15-year-old daughter to babysit their two children. With no involvement on your part, your daughter has checked on the web for prevailing rates and has negotiated a rate and agreed to do it for $13 an hour, agreed to babysit. She babysits the children for six hours. When the neighbors return, instead of the expected $78, the neighbors give her only $45, claiming, ah, I'm a bit short this week. Your daughter does try to speak up for herself, but the neighbor gets intimidating by saying, well, be grateful you're getting what you're getting. I can't afford to pay 13 an hour to a teen for hanging out on my couch all night. Your daughter turns to you for help in getting clearly what was agreed upon and what she's owed. How do you stand up for her yet set an example of humility? So yes, perfect. Let me take this. First. I know because you have, have a, a he, he has a daughter, so yeah. <laughs> perfect training moment for men. Understand this. Do not plug yourself into situations that you are not in. I am not going to call my neighbor. I am going to counsel my daughter. And I'm going to tell my daughter, daughter, life is not always fair. What you do with life is you react to the situations you have at hand. They are our neighbors. You have a situation with them. You can solve this one or you can stop the any relationship that you have with the neighbor. You set this up, you find a resolution, and you deal with this neighbor because this is gonna be a situation that you are gonna run into over and over and over in life. And the sooner you learn how to handle it and the, the better off your life is going to be. Cool, Robert. You three yeah, I'm, 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 I'm kind of with Bill on this because, you know, I have n never inserted. I had to make sure that I've never done it, but I've never inserted myself into no. my children's work stuff. Uh, matter of fact, when my one of my children went to grad school, and it turned out 
that instead of it was a scholarship and a salary, it turned out to be a salary with no scholarship and he had to pay his tuition out of his out of his uh, pay money. You know, I was like, as I recall, I told you to double check that and you said you did. So you know but 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 you know the one thing i would i would double check with my daughter on and, and it falls with what bill said i would ask her did you clearly tell them what you charged mm-hmm. you know and and if you did then the bad is on you for taking that and the other thing i would the the only advice i would give is i would not babysit for them again unless they paid you up front (laughs) right yeah clean the ledger and then do it again if you want yeah you know but but this is the kind of situation that you're going to deal with in life over and over again find the way that works for you to deal with this kind of thing because typically in life the issues that we run into are about the same as we ran into years ago and we typically solve them or we we try to solve them using the same methodology that was successful for us back when we ran into situations like this before it's it, it's the experience that we have uh, you know, so that's uh, that's what I think. Do I have to, do I have time for one more? Let's do let's do one more, and then we'll okay. do the wrap up. This is this is more for for men now. Uh, okay, you've been promoted to department head, but you've inherited a direct report who is passive aggressive. He feels you do not respect his efforts, but deliberately avoids raising the issue with you. Uh, with with you, uh, even when you try to bring it up, and instead he goes around the office bad mouthing you, your management style, and your general competence to anyone who will listen. His attitude has had some effect, and now your boss has begin to begun to question your ability and confront you with the negativity he's been hearing around the office. What do you do? I'll yield to the professor on that one first. <laughs> since you're a trainer, since you're a trainer, you'll have so, the right answer. So first thing I would do is talk to my boss and find out where is he getting his information from. And then I would find out, are you displeased with any of my work? I, I would literally start there. And then I would go back to this employee and pull him in. And, and this is one of those, look, if you've got a problem with me, you can come in here, shut the door, and we can have it out. But I need you not to bad talk our team back and forth in front of other departments and other people. Because part of this is our team is our team, and we will have each other's backs publicly in front of other people in the company. If there is a problem... If you have a problem with me, come in, shut the door and tell me. I'm big enough. Now, he, here's a tip for leaders, and this is where the being humble comes into play. You have to be <laughs> humble enough to take that criticism from an employee and recognize it when it's wrong and accept it and say, hmm, okay, maybe I do need to. And, and don't just, no, no, that's not me. Think hard and critical 
Is it me? You, you have may I not done have that? been respecting him. <laughs> yeah, no, a- absolutely. Now, if you're golden on your end and you're 100% sure you're golden, and quite frankly, if you're worried about it, go check with some friends. Go check with people you trust in the department and say, hey, have I been doing that? You know, and if they say, no, you're fine, okay. If they say, yeah, you have been, then you point him in and you apologize to him. Now, if it turns out you've been doing it, then then the, after the conversation of, look, if you have a problem with me, we come in and we talk about it. Now, here's the deal. I will respect your work to the extent that it, that it, what it is, but I'm not going to go over supporting you. Now, here, here's another tip for leaders, though. Make sure you recognize your employees when they do good work. <laughs> Don't just assume them, especially this new generation. And I'm going to be the first to admit it. They drive me nuts. You know, but but except when they do good work and tell them, hey, you've done a good job. I appreciate that. Do the do the stupid little things that make no sense. Bring the donuts in, buy lunch for the team, buy a pizza for the team periodically. You know, do that kind of stuff. Because it's those little things that keep everybody on the team happy and appreciated and make a point of finding out what's going on in their lives. It's not just about work. You know, when when you have one-on-one with them, start with what's going on in your life, you know, first. You know, what's going on in your life? Because, first of all, people may have something going on that's distracting them at the moment. You know, I'm, I've got a kid driving from Green Bay tomorrow. I am slightly distracted looking at the weather. <laughs> you know, number two, is there anything you need? Tell me what you're doing right now. Tell me what your plan is for next week. And tell me what I need, what you need my help with. And for most managers, you don't need to have an hour long meeting with your staff every week. You have a 15 minute meeting per person, follow those four points, and then go to the next person. And you can even do that as a drive-by. And if you do, and, and part, of my, part of my thing is with this, Steve, I think this guy messed up from the beginning because I don't think he's been paying enough attention to any of his team for this one guy to be that far out of bounds already, especially if it's got out of your department. You know, nothing should ever go out of your department. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a huge, huge believer in so, so what are we hearing? Basically, don't always assume that it's the is all on the other guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't don't <coughs> assume. Start and, and that's part of if you look at at Christ's model, his model is servanthood, right? And the law of sacrifices say to go up to to go up, you've got to give up. So the first assumption is, have I done wrong? Verify that I haven't done wrong. I used to joke with my children. When they were in school, if, if, if a teacher called me and said, you were in trouble, I said, okay, so you're guilty. And they're like, well, we're, we're innocent until proven guilty. I said, no, 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 no. This isn't the court system. This is dad court. In dad court, if an adult is telling me as a child, you've messed up, then you are guilty and it is up to you to prove your innocence. Now, you prove your innocence to me, me and that teacher are going to have a conversation. But but take that approach that, hey, the first question you should ask, your, don't get mad at him. First question is ask yourself, have I done this? Right. Uh, obviously, for those of you listening out there, uh, 
Robert's a great trainer. Uh, he also trains people that uh, typically, and this is just a guess, uh, are probably highly paid, highly cubicalized uh, type of uh, employees. I'm, I work more as a contractor, uh, more of a rough and tumble blue collar group. Uh, I always previously believed the praise in public and punish in private uh, type of action, which would be appropriate uh, for this guy. However, I also like the idea of and using the model for children, the uh, tune-up spanking. And what the tune-up <laughs> spanking is this. Uh, one child earns a spanking. However, you bring all the children in the room, recite why this child deserves a spanking, and give them said spanking in front of the rest of the children. That tunes up not only that one child, but that tunes up all the other children as well. And when you're dealing with people uh, on a job site, there's certain things that absolutely cannot be swept under the rug. Uh, a quick and easy one that uh, people get sick of hearing about, but safety uh, is a big one. You see someone who repeatedly violates safety protocol on a job site. I am not going to punish him in private. I am going to publicly punish he is the that example. person. <laughs> a absolutely. And, I, I'm and, part of our safety division, so I get this. <laughs> right. And but and and see that's that's the thing about it. As we were got into this lesson about men uh, being competent and being assertive and at times being humble, but not being humble so much that number one, you're fake, but number two, you're deemed meek. And if you're deemed meek, you'll never get to progress in life. But you see, that's the conundrum. Um, Paul seems to say to not say, don't worry about it. Don't worry about what the, how the world perceives you. He, he actually says, yeah, I, I, his, my weakness is strength. You know, the, to the Gentiles, the cross is folly, but I know it's strength. You said that's that I think, and, and I don't know if we're going to get resolved because I hear what you're saying, Bill, but, and there is a difference of false humility, but it seems what Paul it wants from his congregation here is, is humility all the time. And and now we can I argue agree. that it's not you. Yes, he, to Paul, it's not meekness, but that seems to be the risk. It comes across as, and maybe that's why that's that's what's scary about it. Maybe that's what it, what's scary about it. Excellent. And with that, we're coming down to the end. We'll get some uh, final comments from the panel and a couple of takeaways, and start with uh, Professor Koshu. Yeah, remember that. The higher you go up in leadership, the more responsibility you gain, but the less rights you have. And always, you know, reflect on 
your situation before you start looking at what you're going to do to others. You know, follow the example of Christ who gave up literally being God to become a man and sit down there. And I think that is an opportunity that we have as Christians to show that example to where we don't get caught up into the arrogance and hubris that can actually bring us the downfall. As Christian men, as Christian leaders, we're called to come back and actually do something for Christ. And that is to show humility the right way where we're not perceived as weak, but being able to accept where we're falling down. Excellent. Uh, Steve Ditch. I think it requires a lot of prayer, a lot of meditation and thinking more, more than you'd think because our gut reaction is always, you know, I've got, I've got to get mine. I got to get mine. I've got to make my point. I've got to be out there. And, and I, and I meant what I said, I'm not disagreeing with you, Bill. I, I, you, the concern is, you know, coming across as being meek or weak. And the challenge is to be able to be spiritually strong enough not to worry about that. And yet it's very human to worry about that. We, it's very hard not to worry about it. It's very hard you, you, to, to get ahead, to get promoted. You have to be seen as strong, assertive. You have to sometimes be willing to show you can, knucker you can hunker down and do what in, in the workplace they might say, do what is necessary, which might mean in a Christian terms, do what is expedient or do what is against your principles. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not giving you the goody two-shoes answer. Oh, yeah, well, we shouldn't do that. You're, yeah, I've done, I'll, I'll confess, I've done it. I'm, you know, there's no, there's no man out there who, there's no Christian man out there that doesn't struggle with this. And maybe that's the important thing to understand. If you're struggling, maybe you're halfway there because it's sad for the person who is shameless and who to, you know, to be totally, you know, totally, utterly unsympathetic, unempathetic in their approach to their life and career is a pretty sad place to be. Uh, so really, I guess, you know, read Paul, try to take it to heart and do your best. Excellent. Uh, yeah, and this lesson, um, it's not an easy one because it's it's one of those things that uh that particularly men uh men struggle with i mean m myself um humble but not meek and so we're so glad that uh, you joined us this is podcast number 191 uh rolling on our way to uh 200 and thanks so much for tuning in uh man up spiritual oasis for men on behalf of our producer mr steve titch uh professor robert koshu my name is bill cox and we're on this uh, No Church Answers tour. And I hope you got uh, other than church answers out of this podcast. And check out our new YouTube channel. So whether you found us on uh, Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Pray.com. Uh, if you have any questions or comment, you can go to our Facebook page or man-upspiritualoasis.com and post it there. Uh, if you're still in quarantine, unable to attend church, Check out the Sugarland Baptist streaming service 
Uh, it's a Baptist service at sugarlandbaptist.org. Starts Sunday at 945. And when the quarantine is over, which uh, it seems to be loosening up, and hopefully it's the end of the tunnel, the light at the end of the <laughs> tunnel, and not a train coming in the other direction. But we want to encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and find a small group ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship or Sunday School class that you can join for discussions like this and find that one that is men only. And if there is one, start one. This is Man Up. Come on, where's all the kickers in here? You're perfect in every way. You're perfect in every way. Can't wait to look in the mirror. I can't wait to look in the mirror. Cause I get better looking. I get better looking each day. To know me is to what? To know me is to love me. Must be a hell of a man. Must be a hell of a man. Oh Lord, it's hard. Lord, it's hard to be humble. What are we doing? We're doing the best that we can. One more time, what are we doing? We're doing the best that we can. Give yourself a hand. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.